a family business founded in 1977, Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven is an award-winning garden and lifestyle destination. Find an unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments at our stores in Lachlan Bridge, County Carlow and Kilquade, County Wicklow. Arboretum.ie Tuesday nights from 6 until 7 on KCLR. This is The Garden Show with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments. Arboretum.ie Hello everybody and welcome along to The Gardening Show with myself, Paul Smith. Uh, really delighted to be here. Um, it's a lovely day. We've had some great weather. The clocks have changed and our gardens have really burst into life. Uh, we're going to be doing lots of different things, uh, all to do with the garden over the next eight weeks here. We're going to be looking at all the things you need to know to get the most out of your garden. We're going to be hearing from a whole host of different experts and I'm going to be here answering all of your questions. Um, really delighted to be here and really want to hear from all of you. I want to hear about your gardening quirks, uh, your gardening triumphs, your gardening failures. So if you have anything that you want to know gardening related, send in your inquiries. Uh, we want to hear from you to the WhatsApp number 083 uh, We're going to be doing a whole host of different things. And before we do that, I'm just going to introduce who I am. So I'm a gardener. Um, I'm a trained horticulturalist. I was down in WIT for a couple of years. Uh, I'm from Nurney in County Carlow originally, so not too far away from here where we are in the studio Uncle Kenny at the moment um, and I'm now a head gardener down in a garden just outside Offaly I went there as a student about 10 years ago and I've came full circle and I'm back there um, but I've done a few other things in the meantime I've worked over in the UK and I've uh, done plenty of different gardening bits and pieces so delighted to be here and to be presenting this show to you over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at a whole host of different things. We're going to have an expert in from the Arboretum. They're going to be talking to us about how to get started with the gardening, looking at stuff like soft roots, looking at our lawns, which we all love, uh, but also patios, water features, our furniture and houseplants. Um, houseplants have become a huge thing in the past number of years. So that's also something that we want to really look at. I want to start off with a little um, quirky thing. So you might be thinking, God, gardening show, and he's going to be talking about gardenings for the whole uh, hour or so. But um, one point, it's worth taking a note of some of these facts. So I was looking a while back uh, to Chris Tarrant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which comes up now and again as a repeat on the telly. And the, one of the million euro questions in one of the very, very first episodes of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was, if you planted the seeds of Quercus Rober, what would grow? And the options were trees, flowers, veg or grain. And the answer was actually a tree. So Quercus Rober is our native oak tree. So that's one one of the few times I was able to answer a question and who wants to be a millionaire. So sometimes it's good to be able to listen to these things and hopefully over the next few weeks I'll be able to teach you a small bit about your gardening and or your garden and what's happening. Have a little bit of gardening news as well. So uh, there's going to be different things happening, uh, different things uh, always in the area too, and hopefully there'll be different events that we can talk about. Uh, one of the things I saw lately uh, in the news was there's a little bit about gardening legislation and community gardening. Community gardening is a very important thing. Um, they have them in lots of different places, particularly over in the UK. Things like allotments are an important part of the culture over there, and people uh, who don't have access to gardens go out and they garden in them. And uh, in Ireland, we have a very kind of different 
approach that we haven't had allotments in the same way and uh, there's a bit of an issue at the moment with the legislation surrounding that so uh, it's seen in the news a bit the government is dealing with that but hopefully that's something that will be able to uh, get going and the other thing I want to talk to you about is our guests so we have two guests today uh, our first guest is a pal of mine somebody who I was in college with a man called Rory Newell and we also have Eamon Wall from the Arboretum so we're going over to Rory in a few minutes time uh, Rory is Galway Gardener he's a propagator and a plantsman and he runs Forest Moon Plants uh, which is over in Galway um, we have a couple of different bits and pieces too the other thing being the plant of the week uh, I want to talk a little bit about a plant that I really love um, it's uh, Narcissus so daffodils at the moment you go out into the garden the garden's looking really fantastic uh, the daffodils are all over the place there's one in particular so there's about 27,000 different varieties of daffodil in existence would you believe so uh, that's a strange thing to think about you think of daffodils as being yellow and green but there's actually nearly 30,000 different varieties and changes in them so uh, have a look at all the different ones that you see as you drive around and as you go around the countryside at the moment and I want to talk to you about one particular one which is the Narcissus Poeticus um, Narcissus is the uh, Latin or botanical name for a daffodil and the Narcissus Poeticus is the pheasant's eye daffodil or the poet's daffodil um, if you know it you might uh, if you're a gardener you might have seen it but if you don't have a look up after the show about it um, it's a small little white flowered thing a uh, white flowered daffodil with a yellow centre and a red sort of tinge tip on it and it's a really late flowering daffodil so it's one worth looking out for if you're getting your bulb cam order ready later into the season uh, but first I want to go over to my guest Rory who is on the line now and I want to talk to him a little bit about what he is, what he's doing and uh, about when we were in college together and what we were up to. So Rory, how are you doing? Are you there? Hey Paul, how's things? Very good, very good. How are you doing Rory? Sure, tipping away now. I'm just <laughs> heading back from Carlow actually, uh, back towards the west. Very good. And Rory, tell me a little bit about Forest Moon Plants. So I introduced you there. Forest Moon Plants is your nursery that you run. Uh, tell me a bit about the story behind that and why that's important and what you do in it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a number of years ago, um, I was uh, working as chief propagator in um, another garden down in Cork. And uh, basically my time was running out down there it was kind of time to go back to the family I should say I travel down from Cork regularly on a regular basis to do my job down there and um, I abandoned my family basically <laughs> uh, and I knew at some stage I would need to come home but um, the thing about Galway is it's not notorious for gardening or maybe interesting gardening or it's certainly not as popular as other areas around the country so it was kind of grim to think about going back to kind of just going I don't know, possibly working in a garden centre or whatever. It's just the interest wouldn't be there for me. So I knew I had to kind of create something just because of my interest in plants. So I always had it in the back of my mind to start a nursery and kind of uh, dealing in kind of botanically interesting plants is what I like to call them. And so, yeah, we started the nursery about, uh, I think it was in 2020, just as the pandemic arrived. So a fantastic time to start any business. Um, <laughs> it would have been brilliant for us if we were already established, but unfortunately we weren't. And so, could, yeah, that's a bit on the background. Great. And could you just briefly explain to me, if there's someone listening who doesn't know the difference between a garden centre and a nursery, is there a difference? What sort of, what do you do that garden centres don't or vice versa? Yeah, um, 
I suppose garden centres are a bit more open to the public um, in a way, you know, more so than nurseries would be, even though traditionally going back in time, it would have been nurseries that existed before garden centres, so you would have got your plants there. But like for the most part, nurseries supply garden centres, I suppose. Now we're, we're not a, we're not a nursery that supplies garden centres. We're a, we're a retail nursery. So that's kind of like almost going back to old school. So when you go in basically to a garden centre, you can buy your plants directly from them, whereas you'd be less likely to buy them from a from a nursery normally but um we're in uh we're we are a retail nursery so we're we're kind of primarily dealing in the plant fairs and stuff like that so we grow all the plants ourselves and we sell them directly to the public great okay so that's what you do you're growing them on site there and you're producing your plants and just to give people context too um i've known you for quite a while rory um and i know uh, the listeners might know but i also know that you're not just a plants person and a propagator but you're also a dj um it's one of your other side quirks and you're <laughs> you're well known to uh not only frequent a garden center but frequent a dance floor and the odd club here and there uh, and you're doing a little gig over in galway aren't you at uh, the end of the month i believe uh, am I? I must be. You're plants and pints. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, that's kind of where we're uh, a little bit kind of combining both in a way, um, less so on the DJ. And uh, really, what what plants and pints is about is kind of trying to kind of. Um, my idea there would be is just to kind of try and build on a community um, and um, it's really working actually. Like the idea was to first and foremost is to try and kind of encourage people into gardening which is which has worked really well and what's even more encouraging about it is that um there seems to be a great mix of age uh i would say slightly tipping more towards the the younger demographic which is fantastic it's a really encouraging thing to see i don't know is that a result directly of the pandemic and a lot of people getting um enthusiastic about garden and or gardening, or maybe even just utilizing their small spaces, or whatever it is. But uh, more than likely, it is that. But it's a really positive sign for the future, and certainly in Galway, where there's not much, uh, as much interest in gardening. Great. Um, well, that's just fantastic. Um, great to see that you're doing a few things to get people who have kind of came into gardening in the last couple of years interested. So, what we'll do now, I think we're going to take a little break, and we're going to come back and talk about propagating plants and a bit about peat-free compost with Rory. The Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith. And welcome back to The Garden Show. And I have my guest here, Rory Newell, who is a propagator, plantsman um, over from County Galway. And he's talking a little bit about what you can be propagating and how you can be getting plants produced in your own garden. So, Rory, this time of year, what is it, uh, what's a good thing to be propagating? What can you be doing out in your garden when it comes to producing a couple of new plants for your garden? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um I think what I'll do is I'll probably focus on something people can actually do. Um, I'm assuming most of your gardeners out there anyways, or certainly if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm assuming you are. But um, one of the things we would be doing at this time of the year is um, taking basil cuttings, actually, for our perennials. So you might have noticed uh, since the spring kicked in, and if you haven't noticed, my God, you have to wake up, but uh, it's well and truly in now and that the colour is bursting up, the perennials are starting to break the ground or well and truly have broken the ground in a lot of cases. Um, so you'll see so you'll see your perennials popping up. Now, this doesn't apply to every single perennial, but um, to name maybe just a few, 
Um, you know, you have something like your Campanulas or Achilles or Lupins. These are all things you can apply uh, this method of propagation to. Great. And it's basically, as it sounds, is like a basal cutting. So you want to follow with a sharp blade carefully uh, to the base of the plant just as it's breaking up above the ground and uh, slice into it and take away a little cutting. And you would just dab a little bit of root hormone on the base of it and then pop it into a, a pot, water it well, and just make sure it doesn't dry out. Um, now, uh, it's quite simple. A lot of these plants, there's a, there's a large range of perennials that you can do from basal cuttings. Um, I would recommend maybe getting a manual uh, on garden plants to you'll get one handily from anywhere, a propagation manual. And there'll be a list there of all those perennials that you can do to. Uh, you see, it doesn't apply to absolutely every plant. You can't apply every propagation technique to every type of plant. So just be careful what you, you, you do do, just in case you make a mistake. But it is but, always uh, yeah, worth. Just like, Sorry, Rory. It's just saying, uh, it's always worth, um, we go by this mantra, yourself and myself, that the plants haven't read the book. They don't always know exactly what needs to be done at the exact time. So it's worth sometimes taking a risk, if you're not sure, to just go out and do it. I did it this week with, um, catmint or napita cutting. So people love catmint, very like lavender. Uh, yeah. And they'll take it really easily from cutting. So sometimes it's worth trying. If in doubt, give it a go because the worst that can happen is you lose a bit of a material of the plant. Um, generally speaking. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, like, I mean, uh, we do it so often, you know, because some of the plants we work with, there isn't an awful lot of information on. So you're kind of, you're, you're, you're testing the waters out for yourself, you know, and you're not, you're, like you said, you're going to do no harm, really. Um, you know, like, maybe just don't take everything off it, off the plant for a cutting. Leave some, you know, just to guarantee that, that, uh, the plants will be fine. But, uh, yeah, I would say try it. Brilliant. And you mentioned there when you take the cutting to put it into kind of a free drain medium. Um, and we spoke a little bit before we uh, just went over to the break there about peat free compost and why is that important? And it's something we hear as gardeners more and more. You go into the garden centres and it's one of these buzzwords, isn't it, at the moment? Peat free. Uh, can you just tell me a little bit yeah. about that and why we should be using peat free compost, if at all possible? Well, I suppose like the choice is becoming less and less uh, likely that you'll be able to get like full on pea compost anyways. Uh, the reason being is that, you know, we have to protect our bogs. They're a massive uh, carbon sink for uh, our kind of climate change goals, which we need to be achieving as well. So it's 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 hugely important that uh, we, we protect the bogs. Um it's quite difficult for growers because there is really no substitute for peat. Uh, peat's just been the best thing since sliced peat. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it's kind of it's kind of it's difficult to move away from it. But uh, really, we we kind of we kind of have to be making these decisions almost yesterday, you know, to get on top of the environmental issues that be associated. So we are moving more towards uh, a lot of kind of peat-free mediums or reduced peat. Um, it does change a lot of things, especially as a grower, because your 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 nutrients and your watering and everything has to change to kind of accommodate that new growing media. Because these things kind of they might dry out quicker, they might use up nutrients uh, much faster as well. So you know, it's it's a huge change for us, but we have to adapt to it. You know, it's absolutely essential that we do so. But there's a lot of fantastic products out there. You know, the the one that we would be using for a lot of trees and shrubs and. Uh, and perennials is uh, the Classman compost. It's, it's probably the best out there, I think, in my opinion, anyways. 
Great. And as you say, it's something that we're just going to have to deal with because uh, much like our cars are changing, uh, very soon you won't be able to buy uh, this peat-free compost in, or peat-based compost in garden centres. So uh, really, really good points. And just before we head off, Rory, um, you as Forest Moon Plants are off selling plants here and there. Where can we keep up to date with what you're doing? Um, where is your social media? And are you at some plant fairs over the next while? Yeah, uh, so as I said, we're, we're primar- primarily selling at uh, the plant fairs, you know, so that would be uh, with the organisation ISNA, which is the Irish uh, Specialist Nurseries Association, and uh, a number of other plant fairs that would be uh, that would be held nationwide uh, right throughout the growing season, basically. So um, the next fair, actually the first fair we're going to do is going to be uh, Clare Garden Festival, and that's on the 29th of the month. And um, so we, we sell at the, the garden plant fairs um, nationwide. Uh, we can't make it to all of them, um, but we, we try and make a few. And uh, we're on Instagram is probably the best place you can find us. Um, it's uh, Forest Moon Plants or I think it's Forest underscore Moon Rory. We'll get you there quickly or I think Forest Moon should as well. Um, and outside of that, we do actually have a website, but it's not actually fully operational. So I wouldn't bother with that. <laughs> not until it's ready to go. Great. Well, look, Rory, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for telling us a small bit about propagating plants, about why we should be using peat-free stuff in our garden. And also just at the end there, you mentioned something that I'm going to link into our next little piece, which is about local gardens to visit. Because I know at the end of the month, uh, I think at the end of May, I should say, there is a plant fair, one of these plant fairs in Huntington Castle uh, which is over in County Carlow and before we head over to our break I just want to talk a small bit about local gardens here to visit Um, in County Carlow we're very very lucky and in County Kilkenny we're extraordinarily lucky to have so many wonderful gardens on our doorstep and over the next couple of weeks I'm going to be luckily getting out of the studio getting out and about uh, going into those gardens, talking to the gardeners, having a look at them and exploring. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of a sample of what I hope to be doing in the next while. So the first one is Altamont Gardens, which many of you have seen and heard of, and I'm sure many of you have been to. Um, a wonderful garden, which is over near Ballon in County Carlow, um, open to the public. There's about 30 acres of gardens. Um, there's a beautiful old house, um, a rose walk down to the two-acre lake, which was dug around the time of the famine. And from there, you go down through the Ice Age Glen, right down to the banks of the Slaney. Um, quite a bit of a walk. It's not a place to go to if you um, just want a small little stroll around the garden, because you can really stroll for hours and hours around Altamont. But it's an absolutely fantastic resource. The last owner of Altamont, Corona North, left the house to the state, and it is an really, really gorgeous garden to go and visit. And personally, it's one of my favourites. I also am a bit biased. I grew up very close to it and I was lucky to get over to it, but it is a great place to go out for a day out. And there's a lovely cafe and plant sales and all of that over there too. So Ultimate, definitely top of my list. But for those of you over Kilkenny away, Woodstock is another fantastic garden. And when I was over in WIT learning over there, they brought us to Woodstock and they explained all about it and the fascinating history of the house, which is now a ruin, but the garden um, and the beautiful plants that are there, the extraordinary plants that grow there, um, the Monkey Puzzle Avenue, which is quite a sight to see, all the formal gardens, which do remain around there, even though the house itself is gone. So there's an extraordinary amount of beautiful things. And of course, in Kilkenny itself, the other one, which uh, anyone in the city will really know is the Castle Park and the gardens around the castle. Um, Really fantastic gardens, open to the public all the time. 
easily accessed and um, you can go around their um, lovely uh, easy access paths um, even for runs you know gardens are spaces not just to show off these beautiful plants and to grow all these plants that we need and we use and we want to have but also places that we can you know use as amenity spaces we can go out for runs and jogs and safe places that we can um, spend time and let the kids run off and do all of that so we're really lucky to have these and a different use for a garden one over in County Carlow is the Delta Sensory Gardens uh, which some of you may know about um, really extraordinary gardens uh, in an unusual setting on the edge of County Carlow town nearly in an industrial estate um, and they use these as sensory gardens um, to help people there with different difficulties and the gardens themselves really fantastic beautifully put together and really lovely space as I said slightly unusual setting but when you get into them you really feel transported uh, into all these various different garden rooms so if you haven't been to Delta Sensory Gardens which is in County Carlow town I would really recommend and that and when you're over there another one that's worth having a look at is Tuckett's Grove um, as I think Emer was saying yesterday morning when I was on to her here that Tuckett's Grove Cafe has now just been reopened um, and it's really really lovely spot too uh, again Tuckett's Grove like Woodstock another ruined house um, really great gardens around there great walks around the woods and around the gardens and packed full of gorgeous plants and really from this time of the year until the end of autumn there's so much to see and the other point is when you go to visit a garden local or wherever don't just go to the garden once and say I've been to that garden and tick it off your list go to that garden three or four different times um, have a look at it uh, a few different times in the season and really really get to appreciate the garden all through the seasons but I also want to hear if any listeners out there have favourite gardens of their own if you have a garden that you have been to or that maybe I haven't mentioned in that little list there um, text in so our WhatsApp is 083 306 9696 text or WhatsApp uh, we'd love to hear if you have any gardens that you have been to visit and we're going to go over to a quick break and we'll be back just after with Eamon. The Garden Show on KCLR with Paul Smith. Now, I'm delighted to be joined here in the studio by Eamon Wall, um, one of the experts over from the Arboretum here in Carlow. Uh, really lively to have you in here, Eamon, and really looking forward to having a bit of a chat about gardens, gardening, and what to do. I think we're going to talk today about the basics of gardening. OK, good evening, Paul, and thank you for welcoming the radio today. Uh, very, very welcome. To, um, great to have you. So I'm going to keep going back here. I was saying to you just before we went live there, uh, looking at it from the point of view of somebody who knows about, doesn't know about gardening. So you and I were both yeah. um, horticulturalists and gardeners, but yeah. lots of people out there, maybe this spring is the first time they've had a house with a new built garden and they're kind of going, what do I do? Where do I start? So what advice would you have or what would you say you need to get started? What I would say first is actually live with the garden. Don't just run out. What people tend to do is they come to the garden centre, they see all the lovely flowers and plants and everything, and they don't ask any advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, buy them, plant them in the garden, and then this is too big, this is too small. So I say, live with the garden, see where the sun rises, see what you want to get out of the garden. Do you want a patio? Uh, do you have children? Where do you want to play? Do you want a lawn? And kind of get a feel for the garden. Then come in, take a few photographs, bring them in, talk to the hotel and say, this is what I want, and say, do I like garden? Have I got time? Am I working? And so have these things. So it's no good to say putting down a lawn if in the garden if you don't really like cutting lawn. You know that way. Do you yep. want gravel, low maintenance? All these different things. So think about the garden, and I say live with it. Then come in and talk to, talk to us. Then 
it's a great piece of advice because uh, people often get a bit carried away and, uh, you know, we're all on our phones strolling through Instagram and TikTok and yeah. all of these different things and we see all these beautiful projects and we think, oh, I can do that and you run down and you just kind of go mad and then six months later you go, what did I do? Why did I do that? So that's a great piece of advice. Talk to the experts. Um, if you're in the garden centre, go in, uh, approach people. I mean, you're all designed yeah. to be, you know, friendly. Everyone, you want people to learn, you want people to make the right choices when they're picking plants do, that will grow. Especially with uh, what's happening now with social media, people pick up the phone, get Instagram, and they have a lovely picture of a, say, Hydrenda arboriensis, and it looks fantastic in this basket, and they don't realise that looks great for the Instagram, but that's a shade-loving plant, so you need to pick out, and so get the advice before you start planting, that's the key thing. Great. So that's perfect for anyone who's yep. brand new to gardening. Yeah. So in terms of people who are a bit more seasoned in the garden, what is it that you think this time of the year we should be doing in the garden? Are there, I'm sure, well, I know as a gardener, there's lots of yeah. lists of things to be doing. So just your top couple of things to do in the garden. Well, the, right what now. you should be doing, if you have you your, your summer bulbs now, so you get those started, say your day, your begonias, get them started. Have, if you have a tunnel or a glass house, usually season the garden. The first thing you should invest is a small glass house or a tunnel. So they'll have those and get them started, get them grown. And then, then think about you don't, you're not going to put them out. You're going to protect them until say the third week and maybe before you start planting out. And this time of year, so anyone that's into gardening, I think seeds. I was listening to your propagation. I used to be a propagator myself before I got oh, into the retail. So I find growing seeds is a fantastic, rewarding, and it's a cheap way of starting off. And if you haven't grown anything before, don't start off with say uh, petunias, which are small. Is it go for the bigger things like delphiniums and lupins, and they're great herbaceous perennials, and they're easy grow and they'll keep rewarding year after year. So start off with those some bigger seeds. And again, if you have children, you can start off with, say, lettuce. You can, you, and if you don't, if tomatoes take, say, higher temperatures. So, again, come in, get smaller plants, start off with those. Again, you can have for the kids a little uh, patio, tumblers, uh, nasturtiums are great flower again, and they're edible. So they can, you can garden with the kids and show them what can be done. That's a great point too and the other thing I've often said to people is when you are going out into the garden and you're getting your seed packets and you're picking things yeah. especially when it comes to vegetable yeah. garden grow seeds and plants that you like because yeah. there's nothing worse than having you know a couple of kilos of potatoes and yeah. only like in rice you have to be Yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so it's, it's uh, have a look there's so many seeds and I think I always think with gardens back to what you were saying earlier on with the allotments is that people take on too much too large a space when you are if you take on a large garden split it up departmentalise the gardens have smaller gardens and and I, I have just under an acre of a garden and I don't look at it as one garden because if you look at one garden and you have to weed it, then you think, oh my gosh, it's off putting. So yep. break it up into smaller gardens and say, we'll tackle this. And again, for finance, do, the, do a one project a year and say, this is what we're going to do. And when you start off in the garden, the key thing is start from the outside and work your way in. Get your shelter, get your structure in and then come along and put your more delicate plants in. Great advice. And also start from the kind of the point you walk out your back yeah. door, your patio. Yeah. That's the area where you really want to concentrate, concentrate your gardening yeah. and have your lovely summer bedding and have all that beautiful colour. But yeah. the further you go away from the back door, the kind yeah. of the more wild your garden gets. And gets, if it's yeah. my garden, it's like a total wilderness by the time you get to the end of it. But <laughs> Yeah, it's true. And um, what what happens happens is your people that inherit gardens hmm. and what the first thing they do is to chop everything out of it and then they don't realise what they're doing. So I say I'm back again, live with the garden for through the season. You don't know whether you have a viburnum uh tiny flowering in the winter because you see all you see is green you don't know whether you have a, a spring flower mag magnolia buried in among the shrubs so live with the garden for a few seasons or get someone out to have a look and see what's in the garden because you'd be surprised how many people get people out to the garden don't know what they're doing and chop everything out of it yep. and you could be getting rid of some really beautiful flowers and plants it's easy done and I'm guilty of yeah. it too you take a 
spade down and you realise there's thousands and thousands of daffodil bulbs and drops, there are all sorts of things underneath yeah. so uh, that happens for a lot and you have to be just a little bit careful about careful, that yeah. um, another thing that you just mentioned there and it's worth um, kind of just mentioning because uh, people sometimes are a bit unsure this time of year when it comes to tender plants and frost and yeah. that and it's quite important that you don't get the plants that are too tender so our summer bedding and things like that yeah. so roughly speaking when do we get our last frost here in this part of the world traditionally I always say the third week in May Okay. It's the last frost. And we've, we have the tomato plants in the garden centre. A lady asked me today, she goes, you have no geraniums? And I said, look, we could have got them, but March, as you know, is very wet and cold. And you don't want to p- put people off garden, so they buy the geranium, don't know a novice gardener buys them, brings them home, puts them out in the patio, the next thing, the night's frost, they're gone. So we tend to say, if you are buying the plants, if you have a glass house and a tunnel, that's okay. If you don't have a glass house at tunnel, you can put them in the garage window where it's nice and bright, frost-free, in a shed or, so say, a conservatory, but don't put them in the dark. So you can grow them on, give them light, and that's what I say. So do protect them. You can also add fleece over them. If you know there's going to be light frost, cover them over. Great. So, yeah, that's definitely worth keeping an eye yeah. on because people do forget. And we talk about that because uh, what's the f- last frost comes for anyone who doesn't know anything yeah. about this. Uh, the last frost basically means that every single plant you have, including your houseplants even, could go outside go because outside. most houseplants would even benefit from a little yeah. bit of a time outside, particularly for a couple of weeks in the nice And what I always say, there. when you're putting plants outside, don't just pop them out. Do them, wean them off, as they say. We call it hard enough. Mm. And what you do, put them out during the day, bring them in. Do that about two to three days and then it's not a total shock. It's like putting your feet in cold water if you just put them outside and all of a sudden it's cold night and they get a shock. So yeah. It's like jumping gently, into the sea. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Gently does it, yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. So just in terms of things that you need, so uh, what would you need if you were to get a pack of seeds um, and in your hand there? Uh, can you sow things in old trays? Can you, um, what sort of equipment? You, basic you can, equipment you don't do you have to have anything fancy. When you say old trays, one thing is just good hygiene. Yep. So again, if, you, if you're going to, if, you have, if you're recycling trays, just make sure you, cl- you clean them well, just wash them, uh, say, in a, in a detergents and, and they're nice and clean uh, multi-purpose compost okay that's all you and as you can say you can put say if you if you want good drain you can add a, a vermiculite into it or you can use grit but uh, i don't you can buy seed and pot and compost where it's all already mixed up so you'll have the right amount and then just a plastic tray and you can get a little covers to go over little propagators and then a nice kitchen window where it's nice and warm and that's it so you can start off so i say to people don't start off with peppers and things that are hard which want 18 to 23 start off with some of the easy plants like your lettuce and again lettuce doesn't like it too hard otherwise they won't germinate so lettuce is a good one for starting off run the beans peas and get those and the kids love those because they're fast grown Yep, that's always a good thing. We're a bit impatient when it comes to gardening. Yeah, that's kinda... it. And again, I say uh, when you're planting directly into the ground, I do not tr- tend to do it in April because it, it's it's cold and it's wet. Mm. And I've I found over the years planting veggies, when I plant things, say spring onions and carrots in April, and then the ones you plant in May, the ones in May, they, they, they just jump jump ahead. And the ones that you planted early don't even catch up. So again, go by your... Inkle Kenny, we have colder, colder soils, not like, say, in West where you have sandy soil. So go by your, your soil temperature. And a good thing, get a thermometer. When you've got temperatures of 8 to 10 degrees, you know you've got growth. And that's that's the time, the true time to plant. That's the time. One of the um, English gardeners often says that if you're unsure, pull down your pants that and sit the on the garden. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you can sit in the soil and it's warm enough, that, then you know the it, plants yeah. are like it. So people so. tend to they look at it outside and it's nice and warm, but that's not actually the soil temperature. You know, yeah. So, and again, yeah. if you've got heavy clay soils, it takes longer to heat up and a free-drained soil will be warmer. Than, so go, go buy your thermometer. We're doing by that. Yeah. Excellent. And in terms of just yourself, um, I mean, you work in the garden centre, yeah. so you're surrounded by plants every day. Do you have a couple of top three favourite plants or is that an unfair question No, it's to not ask? because I do have my favourites. I bring my work home with me. Okay. And I've done it for the last 20 years. So literally I bring plants home and I have a love of hydrangeas. 
Okay. So I love love the say the PGs the pinicolatas. I love hydrangeas because the, there's a hydrangea for everything. You've got the shade loving the Annabelles. You have the pinicolatas which love the sun loving, and then so the ordinary mop head hydrangeas which again like the dapple shade. One thing with hydrangeas, uh, they love water moisture. But if you have a dry ground, go for the pinicolatas. They're easy. They're not fussy. Uh, prune them back from from say November to February. You can prune. You can't make a mistake, and they'll th- throw up flowers magnificent. So they're they're one of my refaves. And then I have a favourite uh, peony roses. Ah. So again, so the herbaceous and also the tires and the tree peonies. So many years I used to travel to China, so I fell in love with them over there and how they individually wrap each plant to stop the flower blossom getting damaged. So, yeah. you know, and it's just part of their heritage, of their national flower. So love peonies, they're great. This time, another few weeks now, we'd say the, uh, what they call it in May, they're the first ones that flower, flower the peonies and they're just magnificent, great cut flowers as well. So They're great. And, and one then, of my favourite ones is yeah. the um, peony, you know, Barcella, which yeah, is... Yeah, I do, yeah, that's uh, the yellow... It is, and yeah. it's the one, there's herbaceous peonies and tree peonies, tree peonies yeah. and the two, they have eventually found how to cross the they two have, to which make... which is the Aitoa ones, yes, yeah, so they're great. And they, they give you the, the repeat flowering of the herbaceous one. There's the, the tree peonies, you only get one flush in, in April, then you get the herbaceous. So they're, they're in between the two. So I built a little uh, Chinese garden, Asian garden, through lockdown at Moongate. So huh. I incorporated those into the garden. So I really have a, a love for what you call anything oriental. You know, so really, so Ace is another thing that I, I love. That, so... Great for small gardens, and one tip I say for the aces: go for the the brighter the colour leaf, go for shade, and the darkest then go for the full sun. And okay. despite what you call it, people saying that they're finicky, that they don't like the wind, I have a neighbour up the road and they're in full wind. The thing is, get them small, let them acclimatise. That's a great tip for yeah. lots of things. The yeah. smaller they are, and the more the they're easier to look after. Yeah. yeah, where I grew up in Lurney, Carlo, it's on the side of a hill, yeah. um, and we do have a couple of little laters and pots, and it can just about get going yeah. once they acclimatise to the area for a long time. But if you bring in a big plant, yeah. it spends half its life on the side because it never gets a chance to actually just settle in properly. Just settle in. The smaller yeah. the better. I, I have them in pots, and people say, "Can you leave them in pots?" I have crimson queen and cinnamon pot over thirty years. Brilliant. Uh, and then on the same thing, uh, so they're your favourite plants. Are there three foolproof plants that? pretty much a beginner can't do anything to kill or can keep going no matter what you do. Is there a couple of bumpers? There, there, there is. I would, I would say go, go for it. Uh, say people often ask uh, plants that are easy, hard to uh, say they've got bad ground. Go for your alpines. So go for your sedums. Sedums, things like sedums are basically moisture loving uh, retention plants so they're, they're easy. You'll see them growing in walls, crevices, uh, what do you say, or breaches, another great one goes on the rockery. I had it over wire baskets and last year it got burnt with the sun and I thought is that going to go? It's bounced back so it's tough as boots. So Sempervirums, the house leaks, again, they'll grow, I've got the self-seed growing the crevice of a wall so they are tough as boots so can't go wrong with them. Those type of plants are always ones that you're um, yeah, well able to keep going. That's what we like. Plants that I often say, if you can get a plant that you can really drive over with a car, yeah. that's the type of thing that you need. And a lot of them are... I've got to give you one of my ultimate favourites. It's the Vibina benariensis because oh, yeah. it self-seeds and, it, again, it'll grow on top of a wall. It, and I say, people ask me what height. It says in lush ground, it'll grow to six feet. And I've got it growing only only five or six inches where it's growing in a crevice of a wall and it grows in cracks. When you get in the garden centre, let them go to seed because they don't be fully hard within the garden centre and as, as, they, as they get older and mature to seed then they'll grow everywhere and it's a brilliant one for attracting wildlife insects. Brilliant, really yeah. good to know that. Um, now another thing at the moment, uh, you go out into the gardens now, um, I was out in my own garden this, yeah. just before I came down here and they're absolutely lush so all that growth has came up so two things to talk about there, the first thing, try to control the weeds in the garden because I know 
uh, we're changing our attitude a little bit to weeds, but we still have to try, especially areas that we want all these lovely plants to grow, control the weeds. So any tips there in trying to keep the weeds down, especially for someone who's new oh, to it all? Okay, I would say the w- number one thing is prevention, prevention. Yeah. And so what I say, catch the weed in time, don't let it go to seed. Mm-hmm. And what I, I, my key thing is bark mulch. So I put, again, three to four inches of bark mulch. It will disappear over time, you top it up, but I said, I said, just under eight for garden, I use no herbicides, no, no insecticides. I just, if, and my trusted weed is my fingers and a hand fork and a trowel, and I don't use anything else. And, but if you mulch and mulch, it'll prevent the weeds. Yeah, I have to say I'm with you there because yeah. there's, you can try all sorts of different things. You can try membranes and plastics yeah, and different I things. And they just do not use membranes. I just because again, I heard just talking about bulbs. When you have bulbs in the garden, you don't want membrane. Then it's up in the wrong place. And then you, when you want to plant something, and then again, if you have herbaceous perennials, when you want to split them, divide them, you can't do that with membrane. So, membrane is fine when you're doing say gravel areas, but not not in, in say when you're in perennials. I wouldn't use it when you have that really full kind of cottage yeah, yeah. garden style. And that's what my kind of garden is. is. I love full. And again, another tip as well: the more you plant, the less weeds you'll have. So, the, mm. the, 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 if you fill the garden with flowers, the weeds they have nowhere to go. And that's yep. that's another trick as well it's a more. case of more is more more is what, exactly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to getting light and then just in terms of those daffodils and those tulips and all those bulbs and people often have them in the lawns how do you look after them once they finish flowering because we do have a tendency to be a little bit neat around the garden and some people can like to tie up daffodils yeah, some people what we say OCD they, they, yeah. they, what happens they see the daffodils and they say oh I, I want to cut those I say the key thing with bulbs they're making the flowers energy for next year so you need to feed them as as when they finish flowering let them die down naturally and Another tip as well, what you can do, if you don't want to see the leaves dying back, plant them in baskets. So the new thing now is, we used to years ago, we used aquatic baskets. Now they've made baskets that have holes in, plant them into the basket, and then you can take them away, dig them up, put your... Uh, flowers in front. I tend to do because my ground is very heavy and clay. I tend not to plant bulbs in the garden. I put them in pots, and then during this time of year, when you have nothing, the herbaceous are not coming up. Put them around. You've got colour. When they finish flowering, move them out the way, and then bring them back next spring. Great. Yeah, that's always a good one too. That's what I do, yeah. Forget about it and hide about it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But Um, remember to give them the feed. But don't attempt to to cut down because that's make. I said that's the battery cell making the energy for next year. I often say to people, think of a potato or think of an onion. Their storage Storage. of all that carbohydrates that we eat and bulbs and daffodils are the very same. same. Yeah, they're they're a true bulb, yeah. Yep, so you just have to be a little bit careful uh, and not be a little bit too tidy in the garden. Um, The final thing I wanted to just touch on with you a little bit was um, in terms of uh, a garden and when you're there and you're, you know, in this new space uh, and keeping it and keeping a garden and maintenance. So we have this buzzword in our heads of low maintenance. Everyone wants a low maintenance garden and wants a garden that looks beautiful. Is it possible to achieve that? Or if do you want to, is there there such a thing as a low maintenance garden, I suppose? I say there's such a thing as low maintenance, but often people say to me, I'm looking for no maintenance. Well, that doesn't exist. There's low maintenance. And again, pick out plants that are low maintenance. So grasses are brilliant. They're, They're low maintenance. So I think again, what you're going to do, are you going to cover it with gravel? Are you going to put down a membrane? So they're fine for smaller gardens, you know. So I think it's by the plants that you pick. And I think grasses are a brilliant for people that want low maintenance. If you're going to have, say, perennials or herbaceous perennials or cottage garden plants, they die down. You have to cut them. You have to prune them. So you might think about looking for evergreen plants. Hebe's another low maintenance plant. Again, no, they've, they've come a long way since the, uh, the what they call it, the, the years ago. They bred new varieties. And again, they flower, they're wind tolerant and they attract the bees. So, so think about those. They're 
good plans, low maintenance. So that's to think of. Think of all of that type of thing. And yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so look, Eamon, it's been brilliant having you here. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, thank you for chatting about all bits of gardening. And hopefully anyone who's new to gardening there will have got a couple of tips as to what uh, to do in the garden at this time of the year. So Eamon from the Arboretum, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Paul. The Garden Show on KCLOR with Paul Smith. Hello and welcome back to The Garden Show. Uh, we've just had a couple of guests in there. We've had Rory Newell from Forest Moon Plants. We've just had Eamon Wall in from the Arboretum. Um, we've had a few experts and as a result of that, there's been a few questions that have uh, made their way into us and we're always looking for your questions. Uh, lots of you have lovely spaces in your garden that you want to know a little bit more about uh, and we're more than happy to answer as many questions as you want. Uh, love to hear from you. So tell us what's happening in your gardening, uh, the quirks in your garden, the triumphs, the failures and any questions you have at all. So uh, our WhatsApp is 083-306-9696. First question in here is about onions um, set sprouting in the bag. And uh, this has got a little bit to do with the slightly strange weather we've been having, I think, the last while. So this is somebody who's got a couple of onion sets from the garden centre and they've already started to sprout before they even had a chance to put them in. We've had a slightly strange uh, year when it comes to our climate. We've had a strange year the last couple of years. We've had either very cold, very hot. We've had exceptionally wet, exceptionally dry. We've just had probably the wettest March on record, I think I heard yesterday, um, and we had one of the driest Februarys on record. So our climate really is becoming a little bit less predictable, uh, a bit too sporadic really for our own liking. So I think the fact that the onion seeds are sprouting before you've even got a chance to put them down has a lot to do with that, with that slightly, we've had extra heat all of a sudden in the last couple of days, but we also had a kind of a long drawn out spring where it was dry, but not necessarily very warm. So it tends to be things that that like, happen to it. So I wouldn't be too worried about seeing your onion sprouting before they go into the ground. The main thing to do with them, if you have onion sets that sprout before you put them in, make sure that you... uh feel them, make sure that they're good and solid. If they're anyway squishy or if they smell or if they're a bit off, get rid of them. Um, a plant like that that's a little bit rotten, you put that in the ground, you're going to spread disease and it's going to cause you more problems in the long run. So if in doubt, just get rid of it and move it away. Another one that's came in here and it's something that happens uh, this time of the year, very, very relevant time of the year to talk about this, is chitting potatoes. Um, it's sort of here the title of it is to chit or not to chit. Um, often people wonder, is it worth doing this? So when it comes to chitting potatoes, uh, that basically means getting your potatoes, putting them out, generally in egg boxes, something like that, so they don't roll all over the place. Throw them out onto a windowsill and start letting them grow out a little bit. And what that will do is kind of triggers them to start growing before you actually plant them. After a few weeks in the windowsill, they'll put out small little green shoots. You can then plant that potato into the ground and you will have a new potato growing um, a couple of weeks after that. And uh, generally speaking, you have young potatoes about, I think, eight weeks or so after um, planting them. And whether you chit them or not, it really is up to you. Personally speaking, I don't. I often find I just don't have the time this time of year to go out and doing that and putting them in the windowsill and uh, you know all of this kind of moving around of them. So I often just get the seed potatoes from the garden centres, put them straight into the ground and earth them up, which is basically throw lots of soil on top of them to make sure that the tubers are never exposed to the sunlight because tuber exposed to the sunlight goes green. And not only does that 
not taste very nice. It's also poisonous. So definitely you want to avoid green potatoes um, when you're growing them. So yeah, I would say it really is up to you. But if you don't think you have the time, um, I wouldn't bother too much about chitting your potatoes. When it comes to potatoes too, uh, if you want to get a crop nice and early, get first early variety potatoes. Uh, I got one the other day called Home Guard, which is a nice first early. And first early, second early and main crop are the three types that you see. And all that means basically is the amount of time it takes for them to actually ripen and harvest them. So if you plant first earlies, they tend to ripen, I think, in eight weeks. Second earlies tend to ripen in 10 weeks and main crop potatoes tend to take 12 weeks to ripen. So all it is is about the length of time from the time you put it in the ground to the time that you dig it up. Someone here asking as well about the longest flowering spring plants. What plants can you get uh, most bang for your book? And people are always asking this, you know, uh, people, the ideal plant is one that would flower for six months more of the year. And I do have a plant this time of the year that does flower a long time and I'd really love them. And they're hellebores. Hellebores can really flower for months and months on end. They're a plant that will just flower without you doing a whole lot to them. They grow in dry shade. They're a really great spring flowering plant and one that if you're in the garden centre, look out for all the different types of hellebores. Uh, Really great and a good plant to have in your own gardens. That is it for this week of The Garden Show. Um, Thank you all very much for listening. We're going to play out with a little bit of a song here, Here Comes the Sun, and we'll be back next week to look at more gardens in the locality and talk a little bit more about gardening. Thank you very much for listening. Garden Show on KCL or with Paul Smith. Brought to you by Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Transform your garden with our unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools, and treatments. Arboretum.ie. A family business founded in 1977, Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven is an award-winning garden and lifestyle destination. Find an unbeatable range of plants, trees, tools and treatments at our stores in Lachlan Bridge, County Carlow and Kilquade, County Wicklow. Arboretum.ie